Retail Market Talk podcast. This is Greg McBride and Mike Lung. Today we are joined by Kyle Bumstead. Kyle is a, uh, a broker uh, branch manager of ours uh, in uh, Nebraska. And we want to talk to, uh, to Kyle about uh, crop scouting, uh, going out, seeing what uh, seeing what's going on uh, around uh, this, the different states that he's traveled through, whether it's uh, in the Dakotas, in Nebraska, or in in Iowa, and then we want to get it uh, get caught up with uh, uh, how things look uh, from a, uh, a rancher's or a, a, a cattle producer uh, standpoint here. So, Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me uh, this afternoon, guys. It's a good afternoon to be inside. It's hot and windy out here in central Nebraska. So, Kyle, let's uh, let's dive right in here. What to you just moved uh, moved the family uh, out west, uh, back west, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, you yep. did a lot of traveling over the last uh, couple of weeks. So what, uh, what's the state of the uh, uh, the corn and bean crops as you were uh, on your travels? Oh, today's Tuesday the 7th. We left uh, a week ago, I believe, Monday. A, Monday, a week ago Monday, uh, we left or I left McHenry, uh, McHenry County there, left the office and uh, traveled across the Corn Belt that afternoon. And I mean, I, I know Northern Illinois needed a drink of water, but it still looked excellent. Uh, granted, it's been a week, but uh, went uh, over to uh, Rockford there. That's the day there was a big, uh, big old storm hitting Rockford. I didn't quite get into that, but uh, there was rain all the way. There was rain clear to about the Quad Cities and things looked really good. I mean, even all the stuff along 88 in the low-lying ground that was, uh, you know, PP and flooded out last year looked really well. And uh, coming across, uh, everything looked great from the Quad Cities. I stopped in Walcott there and fueled up and grabbed a, grabbed a bite there and kept heading east. And, you know, crops looked really good. You had to look really hard to find a bad-looking field anywhere. Um, and then I got to Des Moines, and there's always some low-lying ground around Des Moines that doesn't look the best, and it, it even looked really well this year. Um, then I cut north uh, onto Highway 141 there, um, up through Perry, and uh, took a little county road, a little county blacktop up to the south side of Ogden, and man, if, uh, if that corn in through that area doesn't set records, I don't know what will, because that little stretch from uh highway 141 up to highway 30 there uh by ogden wow that was just impressive and i was i talked to a client and i said seriously this is why you've been so quiet yeah yeah he said this looks really good so got up there to highway 30 and buzzed on over to denison and uh stopped there for the night or whatever and talked to a few producers there the next day the day of the report and you know, they were kind of saying it was ugly or whatever, but I got out in it and it didn't look bad at all, really. I guess it just kind of one of those things where they hadn't had a rain for about a week or so. And and uh, things looked excellent out there. And then I crossed there at Decatur, uh, went over to Onawa on the bottoms there on those uh, Missouri bottoms. And those Missouri bottoms can be very temperamental. And this year they just looked they look awesome across there. I mean, they just they just look excellent. Now, they could use the rain now, but crossed the Decatur and uh, took County Road over towards Norfolk and Highway 20 over towards uh, Sand Hills here and everything looks good. Everybody's been watering really hard and, uh, you know, irrigating and stuff, but the dry land is starting to need some water and it needs some water soon. Now, how are, uh, obviously there's always going to be 
uh, a few holes out there, a few uh, a few yep. spots that uh, uh, don't look okay. as great uh, from the road. But uh, mm -hmm. any uh, any real trouble spots that you saw? I mean, it sounds it sounds like every every place that you showed or that you talked about really looks good. Any real trouble does, spots out there? It did look really good, and I mean, unless it was poorer ground, which some of that poor ground always looks ugly. Even the poor ground looked good this year. Um, of course, they had just had some rains in, in a lot of those areas I just traveled through, and, and they hadn't had this uh, this oppressive heat that we've had here the last couple of days. But, uh, you know, out this way, we're kind of on the very western edge uh, of the Corn Belt, I guess is what I would say. Um, you don't have to go too far west of here and they start, uh, it's, it's a lot more rangeland and, and, uh, and a lot less crop. Uh, but it's, it's really starting to, the, the light spots are starting to really show and kind of suffer out here on some of the sand. Now, are we, uh, how close, uh, as you traveled west, how close, uh, uh, were we to, uh, to tassel and, and pollination? Uh, that's a good, that's a good question. I pulled, uh, I pulled some whorls last night, you know, the center of the plant there that holds the tassel and we're about four to five leaves out in this area. Um, I talked with a gentleman down, uh, by Lexington today and they have some corn that's just tasseling. Uh, I talked with a guy up in, uh, West central Minnesota, yellow medicine County, and he's got some corn that is tasseling. And he said, that's probably the earliest they've had corn tassel since 2012. And he said, in his mind, it reminds him of 2012 up there. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Some of the some of the customers I've talked to uh, here over the last uh, few days, they, you know, they they got out, they planted uh, aggressively, they got out early, but uh, uh, corn sat in the ground for uh, for three weeks, so they're still not uh, they're still not at the point of uh, of tasseling. They're probably, you know some of them say seven to ten days. Um, yep. But uh, you know, and this is this is corn that was planted uh, April 22nd. So yep. it kind of seems like we're going to be all over the map when it comes to uh, to the pollination period this year. Um, right. Do you see that uh, being was... an issue with this with this heat in the western belt uh, and and the western plains, uh, even with the the additional rain that we've uh, we put into the forecast uh, here today? To an extent, I do. I think it uh, hinges on kind of some of the nighttime temps as well. I mean, it's it's been cooling off really well at night. Um, and things like that. But if it stays hot at night, I can, I can definitely see where there's going to be some issues um, as far as pollination goes. But, uh, you know, we never, I guess we never really pollinate everything all at once anyway. Um, it always does kind of sprinkle its way in here, there, you know, there's always fields and areas that uh, pollinate ahead of others. So I don't know if this year is going to be any different than any other, but I am really concerned about the heat coming in. Mm-hmm. So, Kyle, you were talking about how some of you guys were talking about how it looks a lot like 2012, how early it's pollinating and all that good stuff. And obviously a big difference between this year and 2012 is, one, uh, the rain, and two, the subsoil moisture that we were seeing. What yep. do you think the big uh, – how long do you think we need before we really realistically need a rain before this crop really gets hurt here from what you've been seeing? I would say uh, I wouldn't want it to go more than two weeks. Okay. And, and it's, it would be it would be a long two weeks watching it if it didn't rain. That's that's for sure. I mean I I know that uh, you know early on it, it kind of dried out there in June. Some of these crops got rooted down pretty good, and uh, you know there's some decent subsoil moisture, but a lot of topsoil moisture has been depleted. I mean if it would really show the it would really show the true uh, stress genetics of a of a crop. If, if it's mm -hmm. got good genetics as far as can take some stress. 
Mm-hmm. And this uh, inch, inch and a half that's supposed to come here for most of the Midwest over the next five days, do you think that's going to be perfectly enough to extend that another two weeks beyond, or is that two weeks still something that we're going to need some continuous rain throughout the entire period? We're going to need we're going to need some rain, but I think if you get an inch to two inches of rain right now, it's going to set this crop up for a long ways. Because uh, right now, I mean, after you get after you get this crop tasseled, its water usage goes down uh, quite a bit. But then once you get the ears, you know, once you then the next major, you know, amount of moisture you need is when you're starting to fill ears and stuff like that later on. So mm-hmm. um, even even during pollination, uh, when it's pollinating really hard, you really don't want too much rain because rain actually washes the pollen off the plant. So that mm-hmm. can help that can hinder pollination as well. So you'd like it. Uh, you'd like it cool for sure when it's pollinating, especially at night. Um, but then after pollination, you'd like to pick up a nice rain. So if you could get a rain here coming across the belt, that would be good. Uh, then pollinate the crop, then pick up another inch would be ideal. Awesome. Now, what's the uh, what's your take on uh, on beans as you uh, as you traveled? Are are they looking as good? Because we know obviously yeah. we don't make that uh, that bean crop until until August. We need those rains in August. They can they can be a little stressed uh, during uh, during this time frame in in June and July yeah. and still bounce back. What's your what's yeah. your take out there? Beans have a beans have a a great ability to compensate for themselves and. I'll just, I, I have no opinion on the, what a soybean, what, what a bean field looks like until I get there with the combine. I mean, I just, beans can look like total crap all year long and be high yielding, or they can look just awesome all year long and be like, what happened here? These things aren't doing worth a crap. You know, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, beans are, beans are a, a crop that doesn't show very well. I mean, vegetatively, they look excellent. Um, and you can really tell, you know, the, as far as weed control and what worked and what didn't work this year, as far as weed control, but for the most part, the beans look really good across the corn belt and they're, you know, a lot of vegetative, uh, you know, the vegetative stage looks really good too. So, you know, and we're getting, if we were to get that second rain here after pollination, that would be ideal for the bean crop too, because they were, they're blooming and, and it's getting time to be getting some, it's time to get some rain on these dryland beans too. Of course, we irrigate a lot of ours, but, uh, our dryland beans could use a drink. Sure. Now you uh, you are a, a producer, a cattle producer. Um, mm-hmm. You work with uh, quite a few uh, producers and uh, feedlots and whatnot. Um, what's what's your take on the uh, the the status of the uh, of the cattle market right now? Uh, whether it's uh, you know obviously on the board or you know what's going on in the country out there. Well, right now I think everybody's just focused on getting through this oppressive heat and you know, keeping them alive. That's the, that's the main thing. In fact, we, we've got a pivot next to the yard there and uh, we'll get it close there or whatever. And uh, usually in the afternoon, we'll try to start it up. You know, if it's going to be really dire hot, we'll start it up and let it run there for a while and they can get some mud so they can land the mud and the water or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's definitely, there's some big cattle out there. Now we're cleaning up big cattle, but we're still backing up cattle. We're not, we're not getting them near as, you know, we're, we're not, I mean, we're, we're slaughtering the cattle, but we're just not into the backed up cattle yet. We're still backing cattle up. So that's a concern that I have. And I guess the concern that I have too, is when it's hot like this, I don't want to eat a big steak at night, even though I, I like to eat steak. I just, it's just too hot to eat a big steak. And, and I think if I'm that hot too, the other, other consumers aren't eating like that either. So you're in that time of year where meat is tough to move after the 4th of July, because a lot of people, the 
you know, the, the holidays are pretty well over until Labor Day, and we won't start procuring cattle for that until, you know, middle of August. So we got six weeks in here where it could be tough to move boxes, and it could be tough to move cattle. And, you know, you talk about this cash market at 94 to 96, and the address basis from 152 to 157, and you've got such a wide range out here because you've got all different kinds of cattle to pick from. You've got some that are you know, perfect, ready to go. You got some that are over fat. You got some that are under because they need to get on the show list because we don't know when they're going to get a shackle. And it's, it's all over the board right now. And, and I really don't see as the futures market probably doing a hell of a lot here for another three, four weeks. I mean, I think we could find a new range in, in my opinion. And Kyle, you're talking about, um, sorry to cut you off there, but you were talking about how obviously it's, it's hot right now and you don't want to eat these big steaks. Mm -hmm. Is mm -hmm. it concerning to you? not only from that side of the demand's picture, but also these states starting to reverse course on reopening. Does that really yep. worry you going forward that maybe we're just going to keep backing this thing up? Well, that does bother me too. And uh, I mean, you're talking about states backing this thing up and, and new outbreaks and things like that. I, I don't know what COVID is. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I've had it. Maybe I haven't. I don't care, but I guess I didn't have any symptoms if I did. Uh, but if you get into some of these areas, you know, especially south of us here in Hall County, which is uh, Grand Island, and they've got, you know, a couple of big beef processors down there, they start backing things up, shutting stuff down again. You're going to start backing livestock up again. So that's a that's a big concern that I have. Mm -hmm. Is that something you're looking to take some risk off the table right now? Most of the risk is already off the table for me, but I would definitely be looking at something or be in close contact with somebody or have a plan to take that risk off the table because you could call a guy today and say, I want to sell some fats and it might be two, three weeks before he calls you back. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to need to know how many you got and when and what and everything like that. Or, you know, another way to take some risk off the table, if you're unsure, be in contact with some of these packer buyers or be in contact with some of these end users. And, you know, if you need to start, you know, stringing some cattle out a little bit or whatever, or stretching them, you know, now's the time to maybe be doing it before they get too fat on you and you can't back them up or, or slow them down. That's a that's a big thing that, that people need to take a look at, too. And that's how, you know, we've managed some risk, too. And this hot weather is going to cut down a lot of the eating, too. I mean, you're going to have some lighter weight cattle. But as soon as it as soon as it cools off, those cattle will go right back to eating hard and heavy like they have been if they have been. So, um, yeah, I would say probably a good time to be, uh, you know, talking and uh, figuring out what actually works and, and where the futures are at now and where the cash is at now. A lot of these cattle that were placed last year, they don't, they don't even hardly break even. They don't, they, there's nothing close to breaking even uh, mm -hmm. on some of these cattle. Um, I work with the guy who has some cattle uh, at a major feed yard down in Texas, and uh, he had some heifers down there that were supposed to be on the, that were on the show list in April that just went two weeks ago, and uh, they ended up going here off the August. So um, he said the check they got back there. Uh, per head was $355 a head per animal, and it cost them about $675 to place those cattle there. That was just the base cost of the animal. That's not feed. That's no yardage. That's no interest. That's nothing. So mm -hmm. he didn't even get half the cost of the animal back. Mm -hmm. That's that's how that's how ugly some situations are out there. Now you go in, and I keep track of this in my notebook. Of course, you guys have seen the notebook um, or the notebooks. Um, <laughs> 
like a lot of those sales you'll see out here in the sale barns in the fall and, and the winter, you know, you get out here along Highway 20 in Nebraska. I mean, they're some of the biggest, the, the, the highest dollar feeder cattle sales in the world are out here. And none of those are making any money with the way this thing is working. Mm-hmm. And you said your outlook for this uh, to at least return to normalized areas is going to be uh, several weeks, correct? As it is standing right now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what it's going to be a while. You know, you're 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 out here. People don't even know if they're going to open schools up yet. That's the question. Yeah. What What would you be your theoretical, just completely off the cuff uh, outlook if things do shut back down? What would you look think, for? Some I kind of normalized. You, I think if you shut this thing down again, I think you'll go make new contract lows and fats. I really do, and I think feeders will go with it because you'll have you'll have guys holding feeders again, and you'll you'll just you'll you'll screw this cattle market up even more. I think by people, you know, holding feeders that don't know how to hold feeders, and you're going to screw up cattle. And I I think that you need to keep this thing opened up and keep the keep them pumping through the pack, packing houses is is the only way to get through this thing. Mm-hmm. Now, what's what's this doing uh, to like? Wh- what do we look like for pasture ground? What are we looking at for you know uh, for reserves on on hay? Are are people you know struggling mm-hmm. right now? I know it's it's time to you uh, know, right now we're we're harvesting hay, but yeah. uh, um, yeah. you know what what's the situation out there for that? Well. I keep watching that drought monitor in the Southwest and I'll be damned if it's not creeping its way up in the Southwest and South and uh, Western West central Nebraska a little bit. And some of that slightly, slightly droughty areas. And, you know, we're okay here. We, we need a rain. Um, as far as for, if nothing else, it would be very, it would, it would, you know, put your mind at ease, but we've got plenty of grass here, but, uh, you know, the hay crop, <clears throat> this is the first year in two or three, two years for sure that we've gotten hay up without rain on. And that was first cutting. Now, um, we were out, uh, dropped the patch yesterday and uh, should have got pictures of that because the wife got the windrower stuck. That was interesting. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the hay, the hay crop looks pretty well. Yeah, and Hans was in there, too. You know, of course, that's great. Hey, Dad, Mom got stuck. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know what that's like, but. Yeah, the, the hay crop looks really good. We're getting ready to knock second cutting. A lot of people knocked oats. Oats are going to get wrapped up here before this rain deal or hopefully this rain event comes. But some people are even just knocking hay, don't care. They just want it so it tries to bring a rain on. And um, But the hay, the hay is looking good. But uh, actually uh, put in a little bit more hay this year because we needed some when you talk about that reserve thing because last year was pretty tough on the hay supply around here. Right, and, uh, exactly. That's why I was asking. And, even this year, even this this spring here, it was really tough getting cattle to grass because we were we were running short on the hay pile for the cows. So mm-hmm. it uh, it was it was time to be getting cows to grass, and and uh, the rain would put a lot of people's mind at ease, and and uh, you know would also help some of that dry land hay, and and even the forage cane that we're going to try to you know bale some later on. Now you mentioned something here that uh, I know you've uh, you've been watching and. Um, I don't know, you know, obviously how big of a deal it is uh, for you guys in Nebraska, but um, you mentioned oats. Uh, have you been seeing or have you been hearing a, a whole heck of a lot of uh, demand uh, for oats uh, at this time? I've been uh, I've been hearing about it in the uh, in the Dakotas, especially South Dakota, that uh, you're getting a lot of calls uh, looking for people that have uh, have oats uh, good, ready clean, for cash. Good clean, good, clean, heavy test weight oats. Yeah, yeah. I. Uh, Oats is one of those things that 
nobody grows it, but they grow a lot of it in the Dakotas. They grow it with millet up there, and they'll harvest it, and then they'll clean it, and then they'll they'll separate the oats from the millet or whatever, and and uh, then that's how they do it. But yeah, there is demand for oats out there. You can you can get rid of a semi load of oats anywhere you want to if they're good, clean, heavy oats. You can you can find a home for oats. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I don't know much about the oats. I don't know if that's an export market or what that is, but I do know that if you've got a feed store locally that makes their own mixes, their own feed, you can definitely find a home for oats. That's for sure. Well, it's just interesting. I mean, you look at the, you look at the July, which is, you know, obviously in delivery versus the September. I mean, what is it? It's a, a 55, 60 cent, uh, uh, difference in price here. Uh, right, premium right. is in the, in the July. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know if that was if that was the uh, really showing us the the, the true demand uh, situation that oats has right now. Well, I don't. I I guess I really don't think it's a demand situation as you and I are talking about it. But I think it's more of a somebody's trying to get out of their position because I've 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 seen that too. And uh, you know there there are places that are bidding up for oats. If you've got the oats, they will they will pay up for the oats. Sure. You know, okay. so there, there is, there is demand for oats. It just depends on where you're at. And oats are one of those area specific things too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you very much for joining us here today. Yep. Uh, and today for Allendale Market Talk, this is Mike, Greg, and Kyle. You guys have a yep. great one this week.